0: Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. You may be seated. If you want to uh, turn in your Bibles to... uh... Acts 19, 2, and the, tonight is, the of course, it's the Holy Ghost series, and uh, our, our title is, Is It Essential? The Holy Ghost, Is It Essential? Acts chapter 19, verse 2, He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. Let me give some scriptures out. Vanessa, can you get Luke 3:16? Luke 3:16. And Jessica, John 3, 3 through 7. John 3, 3 through 7. Terry, John 7, verse 38 and 39. John 7, 38 and 39. And Mary, Acts 2, 37 and 38. Acts 2, 37 and 38. Priscilla, Acts 8. 14 through 17, Acts eight, fourteen through seventeen, Mario, Acts ten, forty-four, and then skip to verse forty seven. So two verses, Acts ten, forty-four and ten forty seven. Does anybody else want to read? Okay. The Holy Ghost, is it essential? Question mark. Now I use the word essential in this week's lesson uh, title to emphasize the importance of the Holy Ghost in the life of every believer. The the word essential means impossible to do without, all important, critical, imperative, indispensable, must have, necessary, required, vital, prerequisite, compulsory, non-elective, crucial, and mandatory. So when you think about essential, now you know essential uh, means is it absolutely necessary for uh, us in our lives for God. Uh, so that's the question that we'll, we're going to answer tonight. So in other words, it is not optional. Amen. Like you would think of optional equipment on a car. Like you can go into the car lot and you can buy just a stock car that has, you know, roll-up windows. I think you can still get them with manual roll-up windows And maybe no stereo, let alone a CD player, or now they don't even have CD players anymore. Um, It's all, you know, plug in your, you know, your devices and stuff like that. Um, You can just get it bare bones with cheap rims and basic engine and, you know, whatever. Uh, But it has all the necessary equipment, Right? I mean, every car has to have a motor, every car has to have a steering wheel, every car has to have a brake and a gas pedal, every car has to have a seat, at least one, Um, and you know, those are some of the, the absolutes, the essentials of a car. You know, you can add a sunroof or leather seats, premium sound system, those are options that you don't have to have to operate the car, but we have to think of the Holy Ghost as the motor, the steering wheel, the brakes, the transmission, and the seat, the driver's seat. Uh, you know, you can't have a car without these things, and you can't have, you know, without the Holy Ghost. We, you know, our Christian walk is very much lacking. We've got to have it in our lives. Now, last week, we established what the Holy Ghost is and what purpose it serves in the life of the believer. The, number one, it helps us pray. Amen. Number two, it gives us understanding of the word of God. Number three, it comforts us in all things. Number four, it gives us the ability to turn the other cheek, love and pray for our enemies, and generally allow the love of God to flow through us to touch others. That's the importance of the Holy Ghost. Number five, it gives us power and ability to be a witness and share our testimony with others. Even shy people, when they get the Holy Ghost, they, you know, they can get, have boldness to share uh, the Lord with others. Uh, number six, it helps us fight the enemy of our souls with, with power. And uh, number seven, it'll provide the power needed <coughs> to be resurrected if we're dead before he comes, if we die in Christ. Or it gives us the power to be transformed at the time of His coming, the catching away of the rapture of the church. Amen. And I'll just give you two uh, two scripture verses for those who are taking notes that we're not going to read tonight, but Romans eight eleven and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, Romans eight eleven tells us that, that uh, you know, if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it shall also... Make your, bring you back to life with that same spirit. And, and 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one through 54 says, we shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die before the coming of the Lord, but we all will be changed in the moment and a twinkling of an eye. So it's that change, that change thing is what's, what the Holy Ghost does for us. Now, these things are vital if we're to live successful and overcoming lives for Jesus in this world. And we, we can just see the world getting kind of like going down the wrong path. You know, any, any of us that's been around any amount of time, we can see, you know, things are changing so fast. Um, and going really away from what's good and what's right, what's wholesome and what's godly. Romans 8.37 tells us that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. See, it's not on our own power, it's through him. And when, uh, when He's in us, that's how we do things through Him. Now, however, though, mentioning all these things, more than anything else, tonight I want to show the essentiality of the Holy Ghost as it relates to our initial and ongoing salvation experience. Because we don't just get saved, you know, at one point in time, and then that's it. Our salvation is something that is renewed and refreshed. We're going to find that in the Bible especially the book of Acts, which in, in, in the New Testament, the book of Acts is the only history book in the New Testament where we have actual happenings, actual occurrences, and where we see the first people filled with the Holy Ghost and subsequent people, and then people that were filled with the Holy Ghost in chapter 2 were refilled in chapter 4 and, and then again in chapter 5. So there's an initial filling and then, and then many refillings. Amen. Just think of yourself as, you know, go back to the, the, the analogy of the car. You know, you can't just, you know, buy a car, fill it up one time and then drive it for 100,000 miles. You got to refill it. Amen. And sometimes you got to get in for an oil change and rotate the tires, too. And uh, so we got to take care of ourselves with the Lord. So I want to prove biblically that we must have the baptism of the Holy Ghost in order to be saved and ready to go. Uh, so let's start with what John the Baptist had to say about the Holy Ghost. Uh, read Luke three sixteen. <coughs> okay. So he shall, so, so John says, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not him. They said everybody was wondering if he was the Christ. I'm not the Christ, but there's somebody coming after me. He is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the key word there is shall. And that word "shall" means that's going to happen. It's not like he might he might baptize you, or he you know he's going to flip a coin and only pick you know a, the every once in a while the one his favorites or whatever. No, he shall. Now, what did Jesus have to say about it? Read John three, three through seven. All right. So so Jesus he was visited at in the evening by one of the Jewish hierarchy, one of the guys in the Sanhedrin, which was a high Hey, religious court of Israel, and his name was Nicodemus, and, uh, and he came to him at night so that nobody would see, because he, he could get kicked off the council if he was, you know, caught dead, you know, rubbing shoulders with the enemy, because they thought Jesus was the enemy, and, but he came at night, and, he said, and, and right off the bat, he said, you know, Master, I know that God has sent you, because nobody can do the miracles you do, except God has sent him. And then Jesus didn't say, "Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your confidence." And all that like, he just went right into chapter verse number three, and he didn't even blink an eye with those accolades. He just said, "Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you: Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." You know, cannot. So it's hard to even see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God is the church on the earth. That's the kingdom we got to get in first. So that we can get ready to go to heaven. So that's that, that's what that's the kingdom we're on right in right now. And the kingdom of God is held together by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the glue, the central power that moves and keeps the church worldwide going. Amen. And then he goes on, and then and of course Nicodemus is thinking natural, not spiritual. And he said, "How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born again?" And so he. Didn't understand. And then Jesus came back again with a similar statement, but different. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man is born of water and spirit. So he defines kind of what the born again means. It's got a, an, a, an aspect of water and spirit to it. He cannot enter into <coughs> the kingdom of God. So we're talking about um, seeing and entering into the kingdom of God. We've got to be born again of water and And spirit, and can anybody tell me what the water part of being born again is? Baptism. Okay, so it's really two baptisms. There's a spirit baptism and a water baptism, and you could do them. There's no there's no uh, specific order you have to do them in. It's just we should do we need to do both. So, um, and then you know, and then Jesus was you know trying to clarify his previous statement. Nicodemus' previous statement by saying, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We were all born in the flesh at one time, but he goes, you must be born again in the spirit from above, from from God. And then he said, marvel not, don't be shocked and surprised that I say unto you, you must be born again. It's it's crucial. Amen. Uh, Another thing Jesus said, read John 7, 38 and 39. Alright, yeah, some of these scriptures are on multiple slides, so gotta be quick on your feet. <laughs> it's like, whoa, more to that one. Um so Jesus got up in a feast one one time and he said, He said, He that believeth on me as a scripture has said. So he said, There's a scriptural way to believe on me, and that's what we have to understand, because some people you know, everyone's got their own idea of what, what, what believing means, but we need to believe, as the Scripture has said, then out of that person's belly, or, you know, talking about their spiritual, you know, self, shall flow rivers of living water. That was another kind of an, another metaphor for the Spirit of God that we talked about last week. But he, he goes on to explain what the rivers of living water represent, but this spoke he of the Spirit which they that believe on him might receive, no, should receive for the Holy ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So they believed in him at that point to uh, as much as they could, uh, but he was still alive. And we understand that we had to wait for a death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and the ascension before he could send the Holy ghost back in, in, in Acts chapter two. So, He said the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. So it was something that he was speaking about in the future tense. So what did the apostles, some of the apostles say about this wonderful experience and and its importance? Read Acts 2, 37 and 38. All right, that's the end of that one. So when they heard this, what was this? It was Peter preaching the first sermon after they they, the apostles and the 120 that were up in that upper room received the wonderful experience of God in, in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. And then he stood up with the other 11 apostles and he preached the first sermon. And he began to talk to them about Jesus and who, who Jesus was. And then he basically, you know, came down to the end and he said, you know, you crucified the Lord and Christ. I mean, you basically, you guys blew it, whatever. And so... Uh, they that really got a lot of people in that crowd very convicted and very feeling bad about themselves and what happened once they understood what the situation. So they were pricked in their heart. They were condemned, and uh, and as a result, they asked the question, "Well, what do we what what can we do? What do we got to do to make ourselves right with God? What do we have to do to, you know, get in a place where we uh, our souls will be ready to go?" In other words, is kind of what they were saying, and then Peter. Answer the question. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Wash away of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, those are the three aspects that go along with the gospel of Jesus Christ: death, burial, and resurrection. Death is repentance. Burial is baptism. Resurrection is the Holy Ghost. And those things, when we when we uh, obey and uh, practice, put, put, uh, put into practice Acts verse. Chapter 2, verse 38. In our lives, we are obeying the gospel. We're being born again. And, you know, everything's good. Amen. Another uh, apostle, well, actually, Luke wrote the book of Acts. Let's see what um, he said. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. All right. So, Acts chapter 8, it was in Samaria. And uh, which was kind of like a neighboring area to Israel. And um, the, you know, Philip was an evangelist. He was in Samaria and they were having great revival, but people weren't receiving the Spirit of God for some reason. So they were repenting, they were getting baptized, miracles were happening, but they were not receiving the Holy Ghost. And so it was so important that Peter and John were sent to Samaria to help Philip to um, pray with these people so that they could receive this wonderful experience so they came down they prayed for them that they might receive the holy ghost because they had not fallen the holy ghost had not fallen on them that's just a, another way of saying it, that we receive it we're baptized or you know it falls on us in like a, a beautiful baptism of rain so to speak um, only they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus so they were baptized Uh, But they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So it was very important that you know um, that 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 took place. Um, Now read Acts ten forty four, and then skip to forty seven. All right. So now we're so we're kind of looking at three different. So in Acts chapter two, it happened in Jerusalem with those hundred and twenty in the upper room. And then in Acts chapter 8, it happened in Samaria. Now, Acts chapter 10, this is in Cornelius' house. He's a Roman centurion, so he's considered what we call a Gentile. Samaritans were half-Jewish, half-Gentile. So kind of all different aspects of people in these three examples showing that God wanted to fill everybody with the Holy Ghost, not just the Jews, not just the half-Jews, but not just the Gentiles, everybody, Um, and... So we know that Cornelius was a very, reading the book of Acts 10 real quick, he, he was a very devout person, he feared God, he, he donated money and helped out the, the local uh, churches and synagogues and so forth, and, uh, and so God sent an angel to his house and saying, hey, you know, you, you've got a good heart. But you need to be born again, so to speak. You know what I mean? You know, so he, you know, and he said, I want you to send over to this other town for a guy named Peter. He's going to come and tell you what you must do. Amen. So, so Cornelius was a good guy, but he needed to be born again. And um, so God went to all that trouble to send the right guy. So Peter, he sent for Peter. Peter came. And uh, right in the, his living room with a bunch of family members he invited over, he begins to preach and teach and tell him, them uh, you know, that God is wanting to fill everybody. He's no respecter of persons with this wonderful same experience that, that they received back in chapter 2. And uh, Peter didn't even get finished with his sermon. You know, he didn't have a chance to even call the altar call. It said, while Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them, which heard the word. They received the Spirit of God right there. And then after they received it, now, of course, they received it before they were even baptized. And so, um, you know, he said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And then if you read verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that just shows you being born again is very important, whether you receive the Spirit first, get baptized in water second, or vice versa, very important. Amen. Uh, Linda, can you get Acts 18, 24 through 26? Acts 18, 24 through 26. And Vanessa, can you get Acts nineteen six? Acts nineteen six. And Jess, can you get Romans 8, 9? Romans 8, 9. And then uh, Terry, Titus 3, 5. And that's our last one tonight. Titus 3, 5. So, Linda, if you could read Acts eighteen twenty-four through twenty-six, please. Okay. So, we're introduced to a character named Apollos in Acts chapter eighteen, and um, uh, Priscilla—I mean Aquila and Priscilla—they were a husband and wife team that actually traveled with Apostle Paul. So they—they they are mentioned to have been going—I don't know—through a town square or something when they heard this man named Apollos preaching the, the scriptures and, uh, and, and you know, just generally exhorting about God. And he was eloquent and mighty in the scriptures and fervent in spirit and diligently talked about the things of the Lord. But he only knew the baptism of John. Because remember, there was John the Baptist disciples first. And then John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus and said, Hey, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. And they pointed and they said, start following him. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I just baptize you in re- for repentance, um, you know, and the remission of sins. So, um, so most of John's disciples, you know, transferred over. But there were some that uh, didn't know or didn't hear about this whole thing. And they were still going strong on John's message. You know, of course, by, by, in the meantime, John was put in prison uh, and beheaded and uh, and so he was out of the picture at this time so there were several people that were still going with you know the ministry of john not knowing about what jesus had done you know because they weren't around maybe they you know had to had to leave before jesus actually came on the scene and so forth um and so apollos was one that was you know uh only knew the baptism of John, but still was very powerful, and so Aquila and Priscilla were in the crowd listening to his preaching, and then when he was all done, the crowd started dispersing. They went up to him and said, man, that was fantastic, you know, but then they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. In other words, they They showed him some things. They probably told him, hey, did you hear that John pointed people to Jesus and Jesus preached this and and he must be born again and, and the spirit and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it was like a little Bible study. But notice they didn't, you know, they didn't condemn him. And that's very important, especially in, you know, where we are, where we live. You know, there's so many believers. There's so many people that believe certain things or whatever that they, maybe they have just, uh, they might have a couple things missing, you know, or a couple things that just need to be pointed out. And so you never want to, you know, say you don't have nothing, you know, we're, we're going to take you back, you know, go back to, you know, uh, go or whatever, like in Monopoly or, you know, go to jail or, you know, go, go back, you know, undo everything that you, you know, no, there's people that, have experiences there's people that you know only know the baptism of john there's people that only know a certain what you know what they've been taught or whatever and they're doing the best walking in the best way they can and the light, all the light that they know but you know god wants us all to have the all the light that he wants us to have right and so you do it in, in a spirit of love and say hey have you you know fantastic preaching wow that was awesome you know and you know sounds like you know you you were follower of John, but let me, you know, and then they tell you a few things. And they won him, you know, and uh, they showed him these other things, and he became a great, uh, even a greater uh, person for God. So that takes us right into chapter 19, which is what our text verse was. And remember, chapter 19, verse 2, uh, we, uh, I, I'm not, I didn't have anybody read it again, I don't think, so... If you want to put that one back up, Acts chapter 19, verse 2. So, so Paul, right, right after this story of Apollos, Paul goes into, he's, in, he's still in Ephesus in the area, and he finds additional uh, followers of John the Baptist. And uh, he said, uh, you know, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know, so in other words, when you believe, that's good. But we must receive this wonderful experience as part of our believing, amen. And then they said, "We, you know, we, and like like we talked about last week, we 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 didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost." And there's been there's there's a couple ways to look at that that way they responded. We, you know, we heard that John talked about you know somebody coming after he's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost of fire, but we didn't hear it was available yet. It's one way of looking at it. Or we don't even we didn't even know about it. Or you know, tell us about it, whatever. And he said, "Well, how were you baptized? Well, John baptized us. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, but remember, John said, if you remember, he was that's, that he baptized on, you know to repentance. But there was one coming after, mind you here and here, that, that would baptize him you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know. Um, so then read Acts nineteen verse six. So and then so then after Paul understood all this, then he you know he just laid hands on them, and then the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. So, well, just a wonderful uh, experience. And, I mean, I had been baptized before I came to be rebaptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. You know, I had been baptized, but um, it was like John's baptism, let's just say. You know? And,. Someone said, hey, well, have you heard about baptism in Jesus' name? I go, well, really? Yeah, look at the Bible. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus' name. And I'm like, whoa, that, that is pretty compelling. And so I was rebaptized, you know. Um, and I think that's very important um, because we need to be baptized in the name of the person that died for us. Um, and so, you know, just like this, it's not taking away from somebody's experience. It's adding to. Because we are not in the subtraction business or the division business in the church. Amen. In fact, the Bible says that we don't want any schisms. That's a, uh, a King James word for divisions uh, among you. That you all speak the same thing. And we're, you know, in harmony, in symphony. And so uh, we're not subtracting and we're not dividing. We're adding and we're multiplying. God added to the church daily such as should be saved. He multiplied, you know, the blessings of the loaves and the fishes, the little boy's lunch. God's a multiplier and an adder. And uh, that's what we should be. Uh, and it's all how you approach people. And not, not to say that not everybody's going to agree and whatever. Or, hey, I, you know, I think I'm okay. Or this is fine for me. That's, that's fine, you know. Hey, you just want to say, you know, I think I have something you might want to hear. And you can share it with them. Um, read Romans. Eight verse nine, so it's important that that we understand this. So, so he said, you know, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If the spirit of God dwells in you, lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, now remember, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, we, we uh, kind of established last week that it's really the same spirit. God, is, remember, it's one indivisible, in, invisible, indivisible uh, spirit uh, that. You know, is really, you know, called the spirit of the father, the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit or whatever. It's the same spirit. Um, and so he's referring to the same spirit here. You know, we're in the spirit and not in the flesh. If the spirit of God dwells in us, if we don't have the spirit of Christ, we don't belong to him. So it's very important. That verse right there is very powerful, it's showing us the essentiality of the spirit. And then the last verse, Titus three, verse five. All right, so um, so Titus kind of tells us here, uh, actually Paul Paul writing this to Titus. Um, so he said It's not by works of righteousness which we have done that we're going to heaven or that we're in right standing with him, but it's according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So that washing is uh, kind of, this is kind of a, a microcosm of the new birth right here. You, there's a lot of verses like this that talk about, um, uh, you know, the new birth in, in other terms. The washing of regeneration, we're, we're washed in the blood. The blood comes when we're baptized in His net, wonderful name. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we're saved by His mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration, born of the water and the renewing of the holy ghost born of the spirit. So is the holy ghost essential? I would say absolutely positively. Yes, sir, ma'am. Amen. Thank you Jesus. Let's stand. Actually, before we stand, do you, I'm sorry. Do you have any questions? I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to close this out without any any questions. Mary? Well, it was it was the early church so it was it was, you know, a lot purer. You know, I mean, a, a lot. It was unscathed and untainted. I mean, you know, it. We we've come a long way. I mean, 2,000 years since then, and there's a lot of, you know, the the enemy has muddied up the, and thrown the monkey wrenches in there, and tried to get everyone going off on all kinds of tangents. So it's sometimes you got to sift through to find the original plan, and that's why it's good to go back, not just to church creeds and you know, church books and stuff, it's like, hey, fine, I, I, I'm up for reading anything, because I think you could learn from a lot of things, but, you know, there's sometimes, like somebody said a long time ago, um, it's like, when you read certain things, you have to eat the meat and spit out the bones, and sometimes there's a lot of bones and stuff, you know, and you don't want to choke on a bone. So, uh, but some things, you know, even if there's some meat, I'll take it. I just got to want to be careful with the bones or whatever. Um, but, uh, so it's important not to just say, well, you know, we're going by what the, you know, the church creed, you know, they came up with after several centuries. You know what, I want to go back to the original Bible and, and see, and the book of Acts is a perfect place you know, or the Gospels, you know, that leads up to the book of Acts to see how the progression was and what what, what it was, and then, you know, make up our minds instead of kind of going, trying to sift through all this other stuff. You had your hand up, Terry? Oh, I'm sorry. I saw your hand out, but I I, I knew I was going to forget what I was going to (laughs) say, because I know me, so I go, okay, let me get this out real quick. (laughs) No. Well if you think of it, let me know. Anybody else have a question? Yeah. I mean God answers prayer. Okay. Good. It's very powerful. Yeah. God answers prayer. And sometimes it, it takes, you know, dedication to where you're um you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen in a five minute prayer, you know. Like, you know, I, I think I think a lot of that kind of praying, I'm not saying it's I definitely believe it's happening in this world. But yeah, I, it's not like it used to be. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.